Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Studio B is working well for us on Tuesdays. Boy, isn't it? That's right. I'll tell you what. You know, we're blessed to be here. Um, if this is your first time, what a blessing you are. Thank you for watching. Uh, if this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, millionth time, you're a blessing. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, let me tell you, it is an honor and a privilege to study the Word of God, to get the washing of the water of the Word. Get cleaned up. Getting cleaned Ooh. up. Praise the Lord. I'll take a holy shower. So uh, if this is your first time, though, we are Christians with Torah. We're exactly what we sound like in the title, right? We're Christians. We believe in the basic Christian doctrine, okay? So if you're a Christian, you're coming out of the church, we believe in that. We also believe in the whole Bible from Genesis to Maps is relevant for today. And the reason that we put Torah in there is because where other people diminish the Torah, we elevate the Torah, right? Good, good. We say that it's relevant for believers today. And if you want to know what that means, we have done four seasons— where we have studied the Torah four years in a row. So there is a Torah portion. Uh, f- there's four episodes for every Torah portion. So every portion of the Scripture in the first five books of the That's Bible. That's amazing. You can go back and you can... It is cool. It's cool that it's already in the library, right? It's not in the future. It's already there. It's there. You know I mean? So we're moving on uh, to other things. And we've been doing this year the book of Matthew. And we have gotten all the way. We're going to do the end of chapter 26 today. Because if you want to learn how to interpret the Torah... Look to the Gospels. That's right. Look to Jesus, Look Yeshua. Look to Yeshua himself. He is our great rabbi. He is our chief cornerstone. He is our God. He is the one that we follow. We want to become more like him. And so in that endeavor, we read the Gospels. Amen. And so today we're doing uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 through 75. We're going to start off by reading uh, verses 57 through 61. Jesus is brought before Caiaphas. Oh, yeah. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. All right. So uh, this account um, is giving us the account of him going before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. However, there is in John chapter 18, if we look to verses 12 through 24, uh, earlier in the evening, Jesus had been questioned by Annas, the former high priest and the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Annas then sent Jesus to Caiaphas' home. Is it Annas? Annas, Annas. Annas, Annas. I don't know. Interesting. You say Annas, I say uh, Annas. So he goes to Caiaphas' palace, right, the palace of the high priest, uh, after going before Annas, Annas, according to uh, John chapter 18. 
Now, uh, Peter was able to get into the courtyard of the high priest's palace because another disciple knew the high priest, or at least knew the high priest's people, and the other disciple is believed to be John. This is funny because John, throughout his gospel, refers to this mysterious character uh, that he never names, and we always assume that it's him, right? The disciple that Jesus loved, right? Right. Or the disciple that was able to run faster to the tomb than the other disciple. Interesting, so life's about who you know. Right. So Peter gets to hang out with John because of that. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know, it doesn't say a lot about Peter's family, right? It, um, it, we know that Peter was married, and we know that Peter Galilean. was a Galilean. Um, but, you know, it talks about James and John as the sons of Zebedee. Right. And so we don't know a lot about Zebedee. Right. But we get, we get uh, in the scriptures information about Zebedee and about uh, Salome, his mother. Uh, and so that gives us the indication, right, that maybe Zebedee is wealthy, maybe Zebedee is more, you know, influential or well-to-do or whatever. So it would make sense that John— He was com- a fisherman. —coming up in Remember? a— Remember? Because he went and discipled them. Absolutely. Grabbed, grabbed the two disciples. Absolutely. Took them from Zebedee. Right. Um, he was a fisherman. Yeah. So they were all fishermen. Yeah. Simon Barjona. So it also gives us and the name Andrew of Peter's Peter. Father. Remember Andrew went and got Peter? Right. Oh, we have, we've seen the Messiah. Right, we right, found right. him, you know. Right. Andrew Peter. Ha! <laughs> I see what you did there. I know. It's little things I picked up. Yeah, he's a fisherman. He drew him in. And drew, yeah. Andrew. So Andrew was the brother. Got it. And I think he was a disciple too. Andrew? Andrew. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have two sets of That's brothers. That's a whole other study, yeah. Andrew and Simon Peter, right? And then you have That's James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Andrew didn't make the inner circle, though. No, Peter, James, and John are the inner circle. That's the champions' Very table. Very interesting. And, you know, of course, James was, uh, he was... He was martyred pretty quick after Stephen and everything, you know? Yeah. I think by Herod. I think Herod did him in. Mm. Maybe something happened, you know, because I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but I will say that uh, based on the way that John speaks about himself, John seems to have a way of trying to write in some sort of humility, you know? Because he describes himself again as the, as the, the disciple. Well, you got the synoptic gospels, and then you got John. Right. Because John is the deity. Right. Talks about Jesus' deity. So, moving on. Um, the council that they go before is also called the Sanhedrin. Uh, and this was the most powerful religious and political body to the Jewish people. So this is their congress, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Their head council, the ones that make the decisions. And then obviously the high priest being the, the head of that, right? And so although the Romans controlled Israel's government... They had, been, uh, they had given the people power to handle religious disputes and some civil disputes, so the council made many of the local decisions affecting daily life. But a death sentence had to be approved by the Romans. So, in order for them to do certain punishments, whatever the, the crime was would have to break both Jewish law and Roman law. Yeah, sense? the death sentence can only come from Rome. So, Rome, as a general rule doesn't care about religious disputes amongst right. the Jewish Because they people. let them practice their religion. Correct. Like the Greeks. Right, right, right. Alexander the Great let Judaism flourish and all that. Yeah, well, because religious fanatics uh, get real hot when you try to, like, kill their religion, and they end up, like, rebelling, and there's, like, battles and wars. And, and if they're religiously fanatical, uh, it's, it's hard to stamp that out because you can't stamp out the ideology. We've been trying to stamp out radical Islam for decades. My whole life, basically, we've been trying to stamp out radical Islam because of terrorism. And that's the best that Islam can give us. Well, uh, 
I don't, which is not good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I don't. Just saying to that I don't point. know. You know, because I know there's statistics and people have lots of stuff about Islam, and I I haven't studied it much. I, I would reference you know maybe Avi Lipkin, um, for you know more detailed information if somebody wanted you know stuff about Islam. But when I look out into that arena, we obviously haven't stamped out radical Islam. No. Period. And so it's almost as if it's gotten worse because of the fight, right? It, it, because you martyr and you create, instead of just dissolving the ideology through assimilation, fighting fire with fire doesn't seem to work, right? Let's do it. <laughs> and so um, the council tried uh, in, this, in this set of scripture, right, to find witnesses who would distort some of Jesus' teaching. Now, clearly, they're looking for just, hey, anybody, say something, you know, tell us something that, you know, would get Jesus killed, right? It's like so, they're going after him personally when it should never be like that. Right. The witnesses come to the religious institution or the judicial part of it right. to say, I'd like to, you know, I have a complaint. Sure. <laughs> I, have a, I have a situation here that I'd like to bring forth. I have witnesses, and I'd like for you to hear the case. Yeah. They develop the case themselves, the religious institution. Which, they developed the case to kill Jesus. Well, I mean, that's that's still, I mean, that's technically how it works in, in the United States. The DA will build a case, have a grand jury, listen to witness testimony, build the case, and then they're the prosecutors are all state, you know. I'm just people. saying that, I mean, I'm just saying that if, if you had an ought, and if you had witnesses and you wanted to present your case, then you went to the... You wouldn't be needing to go the to the highways and byways, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's just that the, the religious institution built the case. Yeah, it's clearly... It's like it. the Supreme Court going after somebody. Yeah. The Supreme Court has decided to, you know... Yeah, yeah, I see ...come after Beit Tehillah, you know. Well, it's, um, it's clearly a kangaroo court. And that's why that, that book by John W. Lawrence, The Six Trials of Jesus, is outstanding. It's just such a great theologian. Just the, the book is just... And he's going through, like, when Jesus went before. Oh, yeah, he lays Iannis, it all down. He Caiaphas, goes into everything. Herod. He goes into everything. Then to Pilate. He puts it all together, like, Scripture interprets Scripture, and, like, the gospel. He just he says, oh, and by the way, this is how the trials would have taken place if you put the gospels together. Yeah. See, like, Herod's not even mentioned that he went to Herod. He went to Pontius Pilate, then he went to Herod, then he went back to Pontius Pilate. Right. That's in Luke. Yeah. So anyway, but here Matthew is not mentioned. No. Right, 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 right. So this is why you really let's you really develop a case now. Wow. You, he did all the work. Yeah. The, the author, you know. Sure. So I really enjoyed that. So what do you have for me here? So uh, they claimed that Jesus had said he could destroy the temple, which would have been considered a blasphemous boast. When in actuality, Jesus said, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up." And this is found in John two nineteen. And Jesus, of course, had been talking about his own body, not the buildings of the temple. Uh, ironically, the religious leaders were about to destroy Jesus' body, just as he had said, and three days later, he would rise from the dead. So what he said was accurate. Yeah, he, what he even said was true. Right, right. <laughs> you took it out of context. Right. But notice the charges, though, Ryan. The charges are in regards to the temple. Right, blasphemy. So Rome doesn't care. No, they don't care. Well, and it's blasphemy against the temple. So it's not even like they came and like vandalized well, the Well, it's temple. not even really blasphemy because that's like, it's just a false statement. Like, I don't know if it would be considered blasphemy, but I don't know, maybe. I don't know. That's what my note says. Well, it says well, a blasphemous boast. Well, that, I mean, yeah, they're going to really get him, though, it's later. It's funny that you're saying this because this is what I was saying last night, and everybody was like, yeah, it's obviously blasphemy to speak against the temple. And I'm like, is it? Like, if you're not speaking against God himself. And Maybe it is a form of blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's mean, God's I, house. I would say it's a form of blasphemy. I mean, 
if you say it's not relevant, you're vilifying. We'll develop that word later, yeah, I think. I agree. So I think we do develop that word. A little bit. So the ninth, Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We do. The ninth commandment uh, is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Notice it doesn't say, thou shalt not lie, right? It's not like when somebody comes to you and says, does this dress make me look fat? And you tell them, no, absolutely not, and you're lying, right? Um, false witness in this general. This is not what this is referring to. This is referring to... Uh, false witness, because you need at least two witnesses to decide a matter. So everything in the Torah is established on the, the mouth or the testimony of two or three witnesses. Right. And so because of this, uh, the witness testimony was held in such high regard, uh, and the test of a witness was the punishment. So if somebody were to testify against somebody that they had committed a crime, then the witness would throw the first stone, right? That's how the Torah... Make sure, yeah. To make sure that you're not... Because otherwise, why would you... You, it, it's a preventative That really measure. adds a lot to the case. Well, it means that people are, A, hesitant to speak out even if they do have truth, right, to say, or if they have witnessed, and B, that people are hesitant to, to false witness, to, to testify falsely, because somebody's life is on the line. It's like, well, well I don't I, like this guy, but like, I don't want to kill him. And well, it, the, the whole thing about the stoning, though, remember, Yeshua says, hey, he without sin, cast, hey, go, that, first ca- cast that first right. stone. Go for it, big boy. You know? That's right. And then it was what, from the oldest to the youngest. Right. Because you're always like, well, I'm, I've got a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm 55. Let's I, not throw I'm stones not today. Be, yeah. <laughs> and then the young was, oh, I got a couple. I wouldn't want the rubber. Or I thought about sin. To bounce it back at me. So discuss why it is important not to share false information with others and to not take people's words out of context. I have a couple points. All right, let's hear it. Number one, it's being a bad witness and it makes you look bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. They ain't no wolf. They ain't no wolf. Now, what happens when you repeat stuff that is not true? So what happens when you repeat stuff that is not true? And is it a habit? What is the quote you always say that a, a, the, the, a lie will travel 10 times faster than something? Faster than other A truth? lie can make it halfway around the world before, you know. That's it. You the know, truth gets its shoes on, or before like truth that. can pull its pants up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a uh, Winston Churchill or something. Yeah, there's a quote out there. Yeah, somebody leave that in. The, somebody leave that in the comments. Let me know where where that quote comes yeah, from. A lie will make it halfway around the world before truth can pull its pants up. Yeah, interesting. I know, I know. So but I think about think about undoing all this. You know, like these celebrity deaths. You know, I'm not dead. You know? <laughs> and I've had people come in here and say that people have died or they were sick, and I'm like, and I didn't, I didn't take their word for it mm-hmm. i'm like i'm gonna go check this out they're still alive so then i had to go and correct them yeah they're not dead yeah that's right it and happened here we're not gonna get into names yeah, 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 yeah. but stuff like that we got to be better at yeah because that's well, just there is you know honestly there's there's false news out there that people are repeating so i'll give you a perfect example yesterday or the day before uh news broke that governor DeSantis had registered uh filed officially to run for president in 2024 and it was the official you know, news source here in Tampa Bay, WFLA, that posted it and put out that Governor DeSantis had filed for running for president. Guess what? Fake news. He didn't. So they had to put out a correction very quickly. And See, that's just a mess. It is, it is a mess, but that's how it happens. Well, I tell you this. Because people repeat it. This next election? I don't know. I have no idea. It's crazy. Yeah. We just need to pray for the hearts of the people to be turned to God. 
and then everything will work itself out. Florida's a red state right now. It so. is. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, thank God. Governor DeSantis is the patron saint of small business, you know. <laughs> um, but so, so to the point here about why it's important not to share falsely and take people's words out of context, you know, specifically the taking people's words out of context, this disingenuous garbage that's out there that is in the, the political arena, and it's even within like church stuff, like people will be like making response videos to other people's videos, taking their words out of context. I remember a long time ago, the best example that I could think of, and if, look, I'm no like fan of Obama. However, Obama was making a speech in Europe about, um, I forget what it was, but it was like a UN speech or something like that. And they took a clip of him talking about, basically, if you watch the clip, it seems like he's talking about uh, totalitarian control and the benefits of it. And what he's doing is he's quoting the Hitler regime. He's quoting the Nazi regime. So in in the context of saying these things are bad. Right. But what they do is they just cut the ends off and they have him saying That's almost called like taking it out of context. Correct. That's my yeah. point. So he's he almost like he's praising yeah. th- the exact opposite of like American values. No drama Obama. And uh and in fact he was saying the exact opposite of what the clip would lead you to believe he was saying. Right. He was you know, decrying. That's interesting. You know, I had somebody tell me that I had said something and I looked at them and I said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No. I, yes, you did. I said, I'm going to go back and listen to it. And I did. And turns and out you didn't. I did not say yeah, that. I know. People hear what they want to hear. But that's what the enemy does. He twists our words. Yeah. You know, so there's two things. I have thoughts about that. All right. Because this, this may be a controversial take on this. The cell phone being around with a camera in it is a blessing and a curse because it records truth. Right. Now, I granted, you could see things from different angles and things may look different than they really are in certain cases. I get all that. But right. in general, you, when you get a recording of something, you're getting a better idea of what actually happened versus just somebody's... That's right. Let's play back that video. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Right. So you understand. If you are acting above reproach all the time, then you don't have to worry about it. Right now, I'm not promoting a surveillance state or anything like that. But right. my point is that there is safety in righteous action and living and recording it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have to look over my shoulder. Guess what? You don't have to worry about somebody blaming you for saying something you didn't say. Right. Because you have it on camera. It's right there for all to see. So if you are acting in a righteous manner and it's recorded, there's safety in that, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a discipline, you know? I'm learning to, I gotta be much more disciplined. Oh, I mean, read I gotta, the book of James. I have to find that place of rest and be much more disciplined and chill out. You know, Dallas said this, she said, you become who you judge. I thought that was brilliant. That was a good quote. Man, it's so funny how- and- you, you become who you judge. I've caught myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm stubborn. Well, it's like that old thing about how, like, the people, like, the things that you're judging in other people, it, you don't like it. It rubs you the wrong way because those people are like you, right? People, like, you know, rub each other the wrong way. It's because yeah. they're similar. Yeah. You know, and it's funny how. Two alpha males. Oh, yeah. Button heads. <laughs> 20 hours. Okay. So. It's your turn to read. We're moving on to uh, chapter 26, verses 62 through 68. Caiaphas questions Jesus. All right. And so oh, we're yeah. starting the great uh, high priest. 62. And it says Annas was the the high priest. Right. And then his son in law. That's Caiaphas. the father in law. Then right. the son in law got yeah. it through. And he paid more for it. Well, know. who knows? It was his turn. So and the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? 
But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, It is as you said, Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with their palm, the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Wow. Now this is heavy duty here. This is almost like the icing on the cake right here. Boom. This is the climax of, of the downfall of Jesus now in this trial. This mm-hmm. is where they're going to really go after him. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, and we have to remember that they're on Jesus's terms. He's not on their terms. Right. They think they're because on their prophecies terms. have to be fulfilled. I mean, he even said, I have to be turned over to the Gentiles, Pilate. Mm-hmm. So he, he's really laying out some prophecies. What I love about this, and this is where I'm learning to chill out because God is in charge. Yeah. Be still and know that I am God. That's right. I will be glorified, right, among the nations. Right. I will be glorified in the earth. And so they did not want to have a trial before Passover. They said it'll be called as a ruckus. There'll be a riot. So, but, but Jesus is like, no, you're on my time. Yeah. My prophecies. So he exposed Judas, the betrayer, and um, the gig was up. And so he had to betray Jesus, and they had to come and get him and all this stuff because it was already found out. Well, without the giant crowd there for Passover, they probably wouldn't have made a big enough ruckus for Pilate to, right. to crucify him. You know, also, yeah. if, you, if you think about it, you know, imagine being on the side of the devil, right? So these guys are religious leaders. They obviously think that what they're doing is, is righteous in some way, shape, or form. Which, you know, obviously we can think, like, how, could, how is that possible that they think that? But they, there's, there's, I'm sure, in their minds, some thought that they're doing the will of God, right? By beating this man, with their, you know, all that stuff. No, and, because and they, that stuff is unacceptable. But think about this. Think about this for a second. Do you, would you do that? They really? think they That's not even in the Torah. No, but think about this for a second. They think they've got Jesus in an aha moment. They like they think they got him. They're like, ah, see, he blasts. Look at this, everybody. What does it say? You could spit in somebody's face in the Torah. It doesn't. And hit you with their That's hands. That's not and my punching. That's not what I mean. Oh, I know. I'm referring to yeah. them thinking that they got Jesus in an aha moment, right? And that they have look, see, we who we don't need any more witnesses because you're we're all the whole council's witnesses to his yeah. blasphemy. Thank they you. think they got him. Thank you. Guess who else thinks that he's got him? The devil thinks he's got him. Thank you very much. Yeah. And what are they doing? They're playing right into his hand. Right? I know. Right into his hand. Well, here's the thing. When Yeshua held his peace, he was fulfilling Isaiah 53, 7, where it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You know, they were saying like when sheep get attacked, they don't even bleed or scream or yell or anything. But it is noted in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. Once again, you add to the scriptures here. Let scripture interpret scripture. When Yeshua was brought before Herod, that he didn't say a word. And that's, of course, in Luke chapter 23, verse 9. We won't go there, but 
He was brought before Herod, didn't say a word, but guess who was there? The chief priests and the elders vehemently accusing him and yelling at him. And, and Herod's sitting there, and then he put a robe on him and dismissed him. But, um, but Yeshua goes into some interesting things here. He, he makes a statement here. He says, Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, he's saying this to the high priest, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So Yeshua declares that he is not only the human Messiah, anticipated by the Jews, but also the divine Son of Man. Are you going to Daniel? I got, I got a couple references Daniel for you. 7, 13 and 14, who sits at the right hand of God, which is Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2, and who will come in the clouds of heaven, Matthew 24, 30, that he already spoke, and then Revelation 1, 7. So he's, a, he's the human Messiah. He's also the Son of Man, so, so and he's sitting at the right hand of God. That's a that's powerful. That's packed full of stuff. I want to I want to look at a couple things. Um, one of the values of studying the Torah, the writings, and the prophets is getting a good understanding of what is the nature of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What am I looking for? What are the people in Jesus' day looking for? And when Jesus refers to these things, what is he referring to? What is he talking about? When we go backwards, we get it's a, mosaic, a yeah. twisted understanding from our pagan, idolatrous, cultural ideas as to what we're looking for, right? But this is what he says. Daniel in uh, chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14 says this. I was watching in the night vision, visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven... He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one is the one which shall not be destroyed. Right? So this is the, the king of the kingdom that never ends, the everlasting kingdom of God, right? Oh ancient of days. That's right. So when we refer to the Son of Man, we're not referring to the Son of Man in Ezekiel here in these verses. He's referring to the Son of Man here in Daniel, because like Son of Man yeah. could be is used in other I didn't, places. I didn't say Ezekiel. You didn't. Okay, but, yeah. But, but, but the words, the, the phrase Son of Man is used throughout Scripture. Interesting. And so we have to make sure that we know which one he's referring to. Right. He's referring to the one that talks about coming I like on Son the of David. Right. Son, I like of, son Jesse. of David, too. I like that, too. Son of David. So... Um, when we talk about the language of coming on the clouds, what do you think of? What is the what, when you first think of that? What do, what do you think of? You know, I think the the clouds is glory. But but in you know, scripture, the glory wait, cloud. What you know, it's like scripture? we say in our church, oh, there's the glory cloud. Look, I can see his presence. The glory cloud. You know, I'm, I'm with Paul and Don over there in the, in the fellowship hall, and I look up, and there's this mist. In the, in the sanctuary okay, or in the fellowship hall. When you talk about the coming of the Lord on the clouds, where do you, what do you think of? Is there any verses that you could think of? Thessalonians. Thessalonians, right. Yeah. So First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Where? In the clouds. <laughs> to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore... Comfort one another with these words. What's your reference again? That was First Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen and seventeen and eighteen, sixteen through eighteen. But I have one more because when I think about like 
building a mosaic through the scriptures of putting everything together. Right. This one right here, Matthew 24, verse 30, is, is a big deal. It starts really in verse 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So when is this occurrence going to happen? He tells you. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. In verses 15 through 28, he gives you a description of the tribulation. But it says here, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a direct, like a direct cross-reference for 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Like, I feel like those verses absolutely go together. Now, many scholars try to separate those as two separate events. They say that one is the second coming of Christ, one is the rapture. They both sound like the you same know, thing to me. If I'm not mistaken, I, we don't have time to go there, but I think it's in, in the Battle of Gog and Magog that the birds of prey are eating the bodies. But that's also found in Revelation. Yeah. So they say that they're similar. Yeah, where the they're eagles. The same. Yeah, where the eagles are found. Or the, no, that's that Gog and Magog is actually could be Armageddon. Right. Because Gog and, and Magog, that particular war, Yahweh's victorious. Correct. It's not the IDF. Yeah. And there's, it, and then they bring in Psalm 83, and it's like, okay, are we? Are there three wars? Is this all the same war? Is it two wars? You know. So here's the deal. So we're going to go into the response now mm-hmm. of the high priest and the and the chief priests and the elders. Here's their response to his little statement. I love how Yeshua just said that. He doesn't him haw around. Mm-hmm. He's God. Right. I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of God. Yeah. Right. I'm. You know. <laughs> I mean, there he is, you know, and and so uh, then the high priest rent his clothes saying he hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. So there there it is twice. Now, the high priest was forbidden to rent his clothes. Ryan, this is so amazing. Because somebody brought this out. I think it was Dina Preston in Leviticus 10, 6, which is the Torah portion for this week. Huh? You cannot make this stuff up. Yeah. So if you incorporate the Torah portions, the Gospel of Matthew, counting of the Omer, you put all this together, you're in the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And of course, it's also found in uh, Leviticus 21, verse 10. The high priest accused Jesus of blasphemy, calling himself God. To the Jews, this was a great crime, punishable by death. Leviticus 24, 16. So once again, the word blasphemy is the Greek word blasphemia. Blasphemia, and it means vilification, especially against God, evil speaking or railing, you know. And so once again, you know, uh, you have this uh, going on here, you know. Um, it's interesting how people would challenge, you know, the, 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 the God of the universe, you know, the creator of the universe. They would just challenge him and... Um, say that, well, if there truly was a God, he would be one or the other, you know, very loving or very vengeful, but he can't be both, so he can't be God. And I think that was the uh, uh, a famous person that has a lot of influence. Um, I won't mention his name, but anyway, he's on to science and stuff. But yeah, but he was saying that you, you can't have both and be God because you know, all these evil things happen, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So you're either a loving God or you're an evil God or... 
Because why would you allow that to happen? That that just so here we are <laughs> trying to play God. Yeah, of course. I'll tell you, it never works. No, nope, I mean I, I can't tell you how many times I thought this is how it's going to go. Yeah, I'm reading it. I get it. This is how this is going to go down. This is what God's going to do, and it was totally untrue. It, it didn't even measure up. It wasn't true at all. It didn't even work out. It, it, it's not even functioning. And yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I need, playing I need... God is a stupid game with stupid prizes. I mean, I'm just saying someone's going to have to do something, you know, because when you think about this, I mean, you know, so they're going to do these things to him, you know. Well, he's guilty of death. They they spit on his face. That's 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 humiliating. They spit on God. Yeah. Buffeted him and smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? You know, the Jewish leaders, physical abuse of Jesus and their mocking question, Who is he that smote thee? Demonstrate their disbelief in his prophetic gifts and thus their scorn for his claims to divinity. See, oh, you you claim to be God? Who hit you? You know, and this and that. You know, that happened more than once. When the Romans did something to him. Oh, king of the Jews? You know. Well, it says that they blindfolded him and were smacking him. And that that's, you know, that's part of the reason. That is, that like, is that a cross-reference? Because that's is. interesting. I think it's in Luke. That's, I'd like to look at that. Yeah, because how, how he would see him hitting him. Yeah, I can tell you what it is here. In just I mean, anyway, that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, so where are we at? Um, Verse 68. So Mark. It's in Mark 14.65. So in Mark 14. Um... Uh, 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 it says, then the high priest tore his clothes, and with further need, you have heard the blasphemy. Then some began to spit on him and blindfold him. Mark and what? to beat, this is Mark uh, 1465. It says, then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. So this is actually, I think, the, the temple officers, the Levites. Wow! So there you go, another cross reference. There you go. Because how you? How could he would see him hitting him? Right, Mark fourteen sixty-five. So let Scripture interpret Scripture. Wow. Does it say covered his face? Yes, it says blindfolded him. Yeah. It says they blindfolded him, then started smacking him, and said, "Prophesy." Boy, that's a mock. Oh, of course. They're mocking. Wow. Who wants to be them on Judgment Day? Right. Not me. Oh my gosh! I would not mean. I don't even want to know. How much are we going to play back? How much is God going to let us see? Oh, uh, you know we have all eternity. He might make us watch if, it all again. You talk about <laughs> see this. You talk about that? you know what is it called? Ugh. Uh, blockbuster. But uh, yeah, if you think about it, he said he'll wipe away every tear. No more sadness. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean that's that's just what we have here. You know, that's that's it. So let's move into Peter denies knowing Jesus, Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Uh, I guess it's my turn to read. It is your turn to read. It is my turn to read. Okay, good. So here we go. So we just got so many incredible things happening, a lot of drama here. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath. 
I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Oh, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betray, or berayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. I just have to say for the record that I think that was the best reading you've ever done. I, I know. Awesome. I had to do the it. The voices. Yeah, I got to change the voice a little bit. <laughs> Get into it. I'm telling you, man. I just think about it. Like if I was Peter, that's that, I, I've done the same thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. you know. And, mm. and we developed this whole thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You okay? I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> so Peter was sitting outside and demonstrated courage by his presence in that hostile environment. But it fails him when his own personal safety is threatened. <laughs> Right, man. I, I mean, that's that's interesting. He's because he's obviously worried about Yeshua, and he's he's interested in what happens to him, and he's watching and waiting. But then all of a sudden, the attention turns to him. Right. Oh, you're one of them. You're with the blasphemer. You know, and he knows what's about to happen to the blasphemer, so he's like, no. Nope. He's right in the eye of the storm. Who that guy? Oh, I don't know him. You know, oh, not good. Wow. So, uh, then. So this is the first time he denies him, right? So he says, but uh, the damsel comes to him, and I loved your damsel voice, by the way. Uh, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But then again he comes down here in verse 71, and it says, And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied him, this time with an oath. So this is the second time that Jesus denies Yeshua. Um, and after a while uh, came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech berayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. So I've seen uh, a couple different like movie depictions of this scene. And I feel like in many cases we're like, man, not once— not twice, but three times, Peter? Like, you denied him three times? And, like, no. why didn't you think about what he said no, after the first no, time? No, no, Listen to this. And I, would, I, I should have brought my notes. Oh, okay. Listen to this. I thought I had your notes. No. You got pff, something good going on here, your, your part here. But I, I want to say this. In John W. Lawrence's book on the six trials of Jesus, okay. he documents Peter did it more than three times. More. How? It's it's in the Bible. Oh yeah. He he lays it all out, and he breaks it down. Huh. More than three times. So Jesus is almost at least three times you're going to deny me, but he did it more than three times. Yeah. So it's almost like in your face. Oof. He says you're going to deny me three times. Yeah. He said that, but Peter denied him more than three times. Huh. So okay. I have to get out the resource. I, I've never heard that before. Yes, I know. I, I looked at it. I said, "Why well, he's got a good point here." Yeah. You know. So well, I'm just saying. That's right, just, right, right. So. So Peter, I've, when the, most, the one that made me feel like it would be the most plausible was when I saw one where like Peter gets accused by the one lady and then he's like saying, no, 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 and he like walks away and then like somebody else is right there in his face again. Some person did it twice though, didn't it? I'm not sure. I don't know either. 
Um, so somebody else comes and gets in his face right there as he's walking out of the courtyard. And then like, boom, like, you know, just like a minute later, somebody else. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. And that's why it doesn't come to his mind what Yeshua had said until the cock crows. And then he remembers, he's like, oh no, you know what I mean? He's undone in that moment, realizing that he did exactly what Yeshua said he would do that he claimed he wouldn't do. Well, I mean, Derek Caiaphas' house. Right. The house I mean, of Caiaphas. So it's not the Temple Mount. No, but so it's like in the some people courtyard, say, right? It says well, in the courtyard? It's it's part of the house. Right. In the courtyard. You know. The Middle Eastern house with a courtyard in the middle. But um, Palace. You know. Um, if I had a palace, it'd have a courtyard. <laughs> I think the path leading up to Caiaphas' house, I think that's authentic archaeological evidence or something. Oh, I we think. have it, huh? I think it's like one of the three that were definitely legitimate or something along the lines so ah. the, the, the path to Caiaphas' house or something like that. I, I have to go back and look at it. But anyway, it's, that's kind of interesting, you know, yeah. the path of betrayal, you know. Yeah, yeah. The path of injustice. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's rough. So, th- so this, uh, this last time is the third time that Peter denies Jesus. Right. And, um, Peter denied that he knew Jesus using an oath and swearing does not necessarily mean that he used foul language. Right. It wasn't like, right. that forget SOB, you, man. That, yeah. yeah. Um, this was the kind of swearing that a person does in a court of law. So Peter was swearing that he did not know Jesus and was invoking a curse on himself if his words were untrue. So cross my heart, hope to die, right. stick a needle in my eye. Right. right. The whole oath thing and swearing, like swearing. I don't know the man, yeah. but he did. So in a court of law, he's guilty. Right. It also is kind of worth mentioning. So it says when the cock crows, um, this could be a rooster. There's a possibility that could be a rooster. But contemporary, you know, uh, writings and evidence would give us the idea that the the rooster crowing would have been a a reference to the call to prayer in the morning, like the first watch call to prayer. I've heard of that. And that when he heard the call to prayer, that that was what alerted it to him, that it would have been a colloquial, like an idiom. Interesting. Well, they're saying chickens don't run around the temple, but... They're in the courtyard of chickens run around everywhere. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) You've been to Ybor City. Wherever they have chickens, there's chickens. They've been running around. So uh, the last verse here, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Man, he was obviously distraught by what he just did. And that Greek word for denied is arneomai, Mm -hmm. just so you know. Which means contradict, disavow, reject, abnegate, deny, or refuse. Yeah. You know, think about it. I'll give you a a couple examples. A couple examples, even among Christianity. You know, I'm I'm friends with some ministers or churches that people don't think too highly of. Mm -hmm. And I have publicly given them my support. Sure. For for my personal reasons or whatever. Yeah. And I can live with that. I'm not wishy-washy. Yeah. I'm not a flip-flop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but, you know, um, as far as the um, our Jewish friends in Israel, the Orthodox Jews or practicing Jews or Judaism, we respect them. We, we, we have befriended them. We have a relationship with them. And we're not going to change it. Yeah. You know, I'm actually friends with with Jews that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, they, they're not born again. They're not saved. I actually have relationships with the Jews in Israel, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. So uh, I stand by that. I've done it for years, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let up. Yeah, you know, because how unfair is that? Really? Yeah. 
you know, it, it's kind of sad. It's a form of anti-Semitism. Well, they don't have Jesus, so we can't have nothing to do with them. They shouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. Yet, yet you know, you got your family doesn't have Jesus. Right. Co-workers don't have Jesus. But you treat them differently. Isn't, isn't that the craziest anti-Semitism that we can ever look at? I'm sorry. That's what I see. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's crazy. I like, um, you know, I like being friends and not denying each other. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's... You know? thing. So, so, well, tell me this. Discuss ways that we can deny God and each other. That's All right, this is what I've question. got. I've got, what if you are friends with someone and some people do not like that person? Mm. You know? Um, I've got, uh, or how do you respond? Uh, we can deny God and each other by not producing fruit in our life. Yeah. We can deny God and each other by not producing fruit in our life. Let's just say that I have a, you know, bad character, bad integrity, or I make bad decisions, you know, and I'm the pastor. I'm denying please, the church. Please don't. And I'm denying God, yeah. you know, so there you You're have it. You're putting me know. in a tough spot. That would be like, you know, I denied my God and my people yeah. because of my actions. Right. So, wow, how powerful is that? You know, that's interesting. That is a very, very big statement because I think people, when they think of denial, they think of like an outright betrayal. But really, when people are associated with others, right, we all have associations. And when we behave in a way that is not becoming, uh, it affects our associations, affects the people around us because they're associated with us. So we have to make sure that we live uh, for God because we represent him. Um and, you know, also, I, I think that our culture is such a bunch of wusses when it comes to Christianity that, like, we separate, like, the life of a Christianity, like, our, oh, well, this is my Christian life over here when I go to church, when I go to Bible study or whatever. But, like, at work, you know, that's not allowed, you know. And people have just absolutely kicked Jesus out of every place in the market. And I'm over here, like, trying to stick him back in, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, let's stick some Jesus in there, you know. And it's a shame that the relationships are in such a bad way right now. Yeah. They've redefined marriage, redefined the family. And now it's like, it's a mess. This is a big mess. Well, it's almost like super obvious. Like, well, I don't want to push myself on other people. It's like the savior of the world, the one who has the answer to all of the problems for the world. And you're telling me you don't want to push him on like. Either you don't believe or you do, you know what I mean? And it's and I'm not saying you got to be uh, arrogant, boastful, uh, lack humility, or waterboard people with Jesus or any of that. That's not what I'm saying at all, right? I understand that, um, you know, true lifestyle evangelism is not going and passing out tracts, right? It's uh, living the life that Jesus has called you to live with a the vocal component comes in the reason why is because of Jesus. People should know. Like if you sit next to somebody at work and you know for 30 years and they don't know you're a Christian, that's a problem, right? Just is. Um and I would say that's a way that we deny God when we don't, you know, live for him truly, you know? So All right, I guess what two points did you get from Matthew 26 verses 57 through 75? I'm glad you asked. Uh number 1 one of the main points is do not be a false witness. Mm. And even when you ignorantly do these things, like repeat things that aren't true, you're a false witness. You know, there were people that uh, were so adamant that Trump was going to get reelected. They were just saying, thus saith the Lord. Oh, yeah. False prophet. Boy, did they. You're done. Now, 
I would still give you credit. Maybe you miss God. Maybe you're a little zealous. I mean, but you know, I like to say things like, well, you know, I'm inspired to share yeah. or something like that. But when you say that, saith the Lord. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. You are a false prophet. Let's get out the stones. I would definitely be a little hesitant. Yeah. I'm just saying, okay, so do not be a false witness. Number two, Yeshua declared that he is the son of God and that he is seated at the right hand of the father. So there you go. I mean, that right there is uh, just kudos to Jesus. He's the son of God and he's God and he's deity. And he made sure to say that to the high priest because he's a high priest. Yeah. <laughs> he made sure to say that for the chief priests and the elders. Listen, I'm God and you're not. Yeah. And I'm coming back. Yeah, when I come back, it's not going to be good for you. So, yeah, those are my two things. I always wonder, after his resurrection, why he didn't judge the earth then. You know? Because the gospel has to go out. That's, I get it. But that's that's it. That's the only reason. It's because of mercy two for me. Two days have passed. Mercy for me. Me personally. Ryan Cabrera. It is his mercy for me that he did not judge the earth at that time. Because he had every right to and the capability. He'd already done the, the other piece. He's already died, buried, and resurrected. But he allowed me... Right to have my life and my family and all these things that I have and the blessings that I have. Thank in my God, life. Jesus didn't come in 1988. That's what I'm saying. Because I got saved in '92. I was only born in '86. That was four years later. Yeah. And and you know I don't want to even think about this. That if I, you know, had not become born again or accepted Christ, I, I at my age, almost well, 24 years, I would have went to hell. Oof. That's it, my point about his mercy. I'm just saying That's for me it, personally, right it bothers me. It eats at me sometimes because it's like, wow, there was a good possibility that I was going to go to hell. I mean, I'm not saying that I was going to hell. I'm just going to say that I did believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. but my life didn't didn't really measure up. And I didn't have a born again experience. So my spirit and gospel didn't meet, but I did believe in Jesus, you know, and all these things. I'm just saying maybe I would have made it. I don't know. But I assure you of this. Uh, it was not looking good. But see, now you have full assurance of your faith. And that's the, oh, that's I have the to. No, but you have full assurance because the Bible says yeah, I have to have that if you confess assurance. with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus I Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, right. thou shalt be saved. I mean, that's the, that's what the scriptures say. So I have two points. My first point was don't tear the clothes God gave you. Interesting. I thrown the Christian gate last night, yeah. my son. Um, I find that interesting because I, sometimes I think he says things not realizing how prophetic what he's saying is. You know what I mean? That's how young There's a lot are. more to it. Right, there's a lot of profundity built into that statement because maybe I'm not a high priest, but God has given me clothes, right? He's given me a garment. Interesting. And then I shouldn't disrespect the office that God has put on me yeah, just, or the mantle that God's put on me by dishonoring it because that's, because that's what it is. The high priest's clothes, you can't tear them because these are the garments of the priesthood. It's not, it's not just his random clothes. This is not sackcloth. This is this is the linen that's special garment. That's garments. some real anger. If oh. you if you rip your clothes and tear up your clothes, that's got to be anger. Yeah, I mean, he should have been tried right there in front of everybody with Jesus. I'm just saying, I don't know. But they didn't try him. Why? Because of double standards and hypocrisy, which is what Jesus railed on them against them for the whole time. So, my second point: sometimes God sets us up for small failures, <laughs> so that we can learn from those mistakes so that in the future we don't make the big failures. And I'm using Peter as a reference here. God set him up to deny him. But people that know what happened to Peter, Peter was eventually martyred, and they were going to crucify him, and he declared that he wasn't worthy to be killed or executed in the same manner as Jesus, and so they crucified him upside down. That's Yeah, that's the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Right. So 
I find that as an interesting tale um, that he was at least crucified and killed at some point for the testimony that he had in Jesus Christ and for what he was doing preaching the gospel. I tell you, that was a critical, so, that's a critical time. <laughs> I just got a thought. That's a critical time yeah. because the gospel needed to go out because right. it was Greek mythology. There was a bunch of pagans, yeah. heathens, hedonists, lifestyle. There's Dionysus, these temple prostitutes, all this wicked, bad mm. religion, right? And the Jews. And so, and so the, the gospel had to go forth, yep. and, and Paul had these missionary journeys and things, and so the gospel really had to go, but there was some serious persecution. Oh, yeah. But let me remind you, this is interesting. We are going after the promises of God as the last days children of Israel, of, his, of, of, you know, of the last days. We're the children of Israel. Yeah. And so we can't have a bunch of martyrs. We can't wipe out families and kids because God made these promises. Yeah. So you've got to like turn the tables on eschatology now. It's not about mm-hmm. the wheat buckets and black helicopters yeah. in Revelation. You know, you're, you're misinterpreting it. It's about Jerusalem versus Babylon. That's and right. so the system of God's kingdom is the Torah. And so here we are. We're the children of God. We need to step out. We need to fulfill those promises because God will give us provision and protection. Yeah. He's not going to wipe us out. Why would I need to be a martyr to my wife and kids when I got I to gotta be a father? I got to build a strong community. I got to raise the next generation. What good is it for me to be a martyr? I mean, it could happen. Don't get me wrong. But who wants the crown of the martyr? I don't want that. I mean, that's fine. That they say it's the highest honor, right? You don't want the highest honor? No, not like that. Because it comes I'd, with the highest price, right? I'd rather price, fulfill right? the promises. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm saying that we, you've got to line up with the promises of God. And if your your flesh is in the way, then you got to crucify your flesh. If something's in the way, you got to get it out of the way. You know. And just like you know, uh, as far as the uh, the Knesset right now, it's not there's no favor towards Christianity except through the Prime Minister himself. But those those ministers don't don't care for Christianity. They don't want Christians in the land. They don't want them living there. They don't want to have a relationship with them. The the Orthodox Jews and stuff like to that degree. Maybe the Shah's party doesn't. Mm, and 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 and, the, and and yeah, and the the other Torah party. I'm just saying that. Right. There's no interest for us in that. You know, because we want to fulfill the promises, we would love to live in a that, that those that group of Knesset members is holding back that whole agenda because without them, they don't have a coalition. No, they don't. But I'm saying that you know Benjamin now can veto it because he don't let the bill pass. He didn't even let it go through. What? Which? The one about you know witnessing to. to oh, of course. Oh, so so all but they I'm, try to pass that all the time. But they see, didn't. we can't really figure all that out because I was just reading in the Daily Bread about you know Cyrus is my shepherd. You know I'm going to use him. Right, right. And right. you guys, and he's going to give you favor, and you're going to go back, and you're going to rebuild. And see, God's all about rebuilding and gathering and, and unity, man. I mean, we got to get off this high horse, you know, and just bite the bullet. We got to just let it go, eat some crow or whatever. But you know, here we are. We, we just we we just got to look at it like you know. Let's discover these promises and let's talk about them and let's do them. Let's share them with our family. Amen. And then that way there's no criticism of the church or ministers or ministries. There's just our faith. No, what we should be doing our is faith. we should be reaching one hand to the church and one hand to the synagogue and we should be... Yeah, look how excited they are. Look at them dancing at the church. Look at the smiles. They love this. Look at the Torah portion. Everybody's agreeing and taking note. Look at the Torah portion. They're so excited about the Old Testament. Look at that. Yeah. You know, wow, look at the worship team. There's like... I was there like three or four weekends in a row, and there's like somebody different leading worship. It's unheard of. What's going on here? Yeah. This is really neat, you know. You guys even you kind of have meals after the service sometimes. You guys get to go and just eat. Wow, that's really neat. What, the pastor makes lattes? Are you kidding me? Uh, Come yeah. on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I'm, like I'm just to, bringing that out. This this podcast is sponsored by <laughs> the Pastorista lattes, Nicolates. <laughs> so just f- food for thought, you know. Okay, definitely so fueling. If the gospel has podcast. gone out and there's still this persecution over the gospel, don't get me wrong. They're, they're still martyrs. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we see case after people died for their faith. Praise God. That is so powerful. But you've done all that you can do to that point. You're done. Mm-hmm. We still got so much to do. We got so much to, to do. discover. We got work to do. And we got to get people to think about that stuff. And so if, if, if the gospel's gone out and, and we're out to the ends of the earth and he said that he would gather the outcasts of Israel and he would gather Judah from the four corners of the earth, that's where we're at. You know, he's going to gather together and he's going to come on the clouds. Praise God. You, you know, know I just had... You well, not you, but but we had what seven guys go for pruning in February. Yep. We had uh, we had of course um, we had um, who, oh we had Dallas just went to Israel and came back. Joanne's there now, and now Joanne's over there. Yep. So there's some things happening. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Praise and I haven't God. heard from her. So I right, want you to pray us out. Father, we just thank you for for the gospel of Matthew, the great tax collector, Father, who just gave us this incredible gospel to prove that Yeshua is king and we are your subjects. I just pray blessings over everyone that's listening or watching right now to get into the word, get cleaned up, read your Bible out loud, get into it. Let the word get into you and you get into the word right now. And so we just thank you, Father, that it cleanses us, it washes us. Because this is a dirty, filthy world, Father. We need to do a, a spiritual mikvah by getting into your word. It also reflects in James. It says it's a reflection like the, the mirrors of the women of the, of the labor. You know, it's a washing of the water of the word. It's right there, Father, how we're supposed to look and how you're supposed to look and your attributes. And so we just thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And we thank you for this process of this time of the counting of the Omer. And we just thank you that uh, it's it's going to be counting us up to 50 days. And then at that point, we're going to uh, celebrate Shavuot. So we just thank you. This is a time of creativity. During the counting of the Omer, Father, we just want to remind you and just reflect upon this and declare it that the the country of Israel was founded. The state of Israel was founded on May 14th, 1948. And uh, during the counting of the Omer and in uh June of 67 in early June we know that they took back Jerusalem it was fully reunited in the counting of the Omer so father we just thank you for this we know in uh, Leviticus 23 verses 15 and 16 it gives us the command to count the Omer so we just think everybody will look at that and begin to reflect upon that and do that and be blessed and so we just thank you for this in the name of Yeshua amen amen wow all right well thank you guys for sticking with us all this time we love you keep the conversation going for us in the comments uh, if you want to send me an email you can do so at ryan at to praise.net ryan r-y-a-n at to praise.net uh, bless you have a great week